0: is
1: what this means is you have to be honest with yourself see our culture loves to blame and listen the world is broken So there's lots of blame to go around, but the Bible always points us back to the only person that you are truly responsible, and who is that? You. You're responsible for you. And we spend so much time feeling responsible for everybody else that we neglect the fact that the condition of your heart is based on your tending to your own heart, not somebody else.
0: The world is very good at getting to you, and the enemy loves to use circumstances to dampen your spirits and harden your heart. All that you've been through has shaped who you are. But as Pastor Daniel will share today, your response to it is what really matters. You could choose to blame others or things that are beyond your control, or you could hand the troubles over to God. Life is messy, but in it all, Jesus is real and on your side. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Matthew chapter 13 with part two of his message, The Playing Field.
1: In this parable of the sower, there are four heart conditions. There are four heart conditions. Now, the reason I think this is so important is because it says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 that we need to keep our hearts with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. And so, your playing field for your life in this world is the condition of your own heart. And we find that there's these four conditions that are described here in this parable. Now, what's interesting about this, and I'm gonna give you the four heart conditions because they're important and all of us battle with it, but oftentimes when we hear about this, we think, I'm one of these four heart conditions. But what I would tell you is that at any given point in your life, you could be any one of these four heart conditions. And depending on how you're guarding and keeping your own heart, One day you might be one heart condition and another day you might be another. You might have seasons where you can say, I've been in this heart condition for a while, but the ecosystem, so to speak, of your heart changes very rapidly. And you have to ask yourself today, what is my heart condition presently? What has my heart condition been over the last season of life? And what would God have for me? Does that make sense? So we're all going to find ourselves in these four heart conditions. Now, what's important is that this parable of the seed and the sower, we learn in verse 19 that if anyone hears the word of the kingdom, so the seed is the word of God, right? It's God's word. And we find that also the same parables told in Mark's gospel and in Luke's gospel. So the three synoptic gospels all have the same parable. Right? So it's the seed is the word and the heart has these different conditions to which the word can interact. So this presupposes that somebody is hearing the word of God. Now, I think what's important about this is that you have to realize that some 2000 years ago when Jesus spoke, he was living in what we would call Israel. And even though Israel was under the authority of Rome, they were still allowed to worship God as they understood. So the culture that Jesus spoke into was a word saturated culture. They would go to the temple. That was the center of their lives. They would go to the synagogue, which was the center of their social interactions within their community. So they were always under the word of God. But we don't live in a day and age that is word-saturated. So really, the only place you're going to get the word is either in church or through the ministry of the church that they make available online now there are people in our community in our world who never hear the word of god so this parable doesn't actually exist in 21st century american culture unless somebody avails themselves to it and that's a huge thing so you choosing to invite people to come and hear the word now puts them in the context of this parable But you can make it through your entire life in 21st century America and not hear the word of God at all. At all. Shocking. But in Jesus' day, they were surrounded by the word of God. Now to get to the four heart conditions, I want you to notice first, it says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. Now, the idea of the wayside would be a place where the soil has been trampled down by many people walking on it. And so this seed, instead of going into the soil, it sits on the surface. So the first of the four heart conditions is what we can call a hard heart. That through repeated tramplings, the word doesn't get in. It sits on the surface. And because it sits on the surface, the birds of the air can come and take that seed and eat it as their own because the soil is not prepared at all to receive the word. Now, all through the Bible, it says that God wants to replace a hard heart with a heart of flesh. So what you learn is that if you live in this world long enough, enough things go on that your heart gets trampled down. And the problem with a hard heart is that God's word that God wants to place in your heart is not allowed to take any root to grow at all. Are you here today struggling with hardness of heart? What I've learned is that if you've lived any length of time, we have areas in our heart that are hard. Some of our hearts are just super hard. But we've been all been hurt. We live in a broken world. So the problem with the hard heart is that the word of God can't get in at all. It sits not even in the soil, it's on top. And God wants to do a work if that's your heart condition. Now, you'll notice the second one in verse 20, but he who received the seed in stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, verse 21, yet he has no root in himself and endures only for a while for when tribulation or persecution arises, Because of the word, immediately he stumbles. This is what you can call the shallow heart. So this isn't a completely hard heart. This is a heart that has lots of stones within it. And so when the word, it does make it in there, but because it gets in there, because of the presence of all of these rocks... It's not a rootedness. There's a shallowness to how deep the roots can go. And then right as something comes up that is not easy or beautiful, or in some cases, something downright demonic, they fall away. See, we see this very commonly within the church. When someone's got something going on in their life, and things are in crisis mode, and they come to Christ, and God does an amazing work, but then... They have a stony heart. And so what happens is it never really takes root. And right as someone gives them a heart, I can't believe you go to church or I can't believe you're a believer in Jesus or I can't believe you don't want to do those things anymore. Right as that pressure comes in, they fall away. Because it's a heart condition that's shallow. Because what God is interested in is he's interested in the seed taking root. Right? But the rocks now hinder the ability of the seed to really have its perfect work. Now, is that you today? Where you're not totally hard-hearted, but there's areas that you're like, man, that's, I'm pretty superficial there. It's real shallow. The third type of heart condition, in verse 22, now he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of the world and the deceitfulnesses of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. You can call this the worldly heart. So what you have here now is you have the heart is prepared and fruit starts growing, but what happens is is that the worldly cares and the deceitfulness of riches, now there's thorns that grow on up and it chokes the word out so that the word can't really blossom, right? So the condition is a place of worldliness, Not that the cares aren't real or that your finances aren't important, but when they're more important than being fruitful in the things of God, you have a problem. So it's a priority problem the most important things don't get first place and because of it it starts to choke out the word and then the fourth and final of course in verse 23 but he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and he understands it who indeed bears fruit and produces some hundredfold some sixty and some thirty this is the fruitful heart this is the heart that is unencumbered by hardness right or shallowness or worldliness, and that is a heart that when the word of God gets in, now all of a sudden that seed takes root and fruitfulness happens, and we have this fruitfulness in different degrees, hundredfold, sixtyfold, or thirtyfold. But the idea is what God is really interested in is fruitfulness in our hearts. That when God's word goes in, it can bear fruit. Jesus said, By this my father is glorified, that you what? Bear fruit. Much fruit. So for each one of us, I think what's super important is that we learn how to be able to diagnose the condition of our hearts. And listen, your experience of Jesus is your experience because it's filtered through your heart, the control center of your life. And so if today you're saying to yourself, my heart condition is not completely fruitful. God knows that, and there's no judgment for that. God just wants you to turn to him and say, Lord, will you break up the hardness in my heart? Or God, will you remove the rocks from my heart so my faith isn't shallow? Or Lord, will you remove the thorniness or the worldliness from my heart that it won't choke out what you want to do? See, what's beautiful about this, and I think what's so challenging for us in our day and age, is that what this means is you have to be honest with yourself. See, our culture loves to blame. And listen, the world is broken. So there's lots of blame to go around. But the Bible always points us back to the only person that you are truly responsible. And who is that? You. You're responsible for you. And we spend so much time feeling responsible for everybody else that we neglect the fact that the condition of your heart is based on your tending to your own heart, not somebody else. Now, don't get me wrong, some of us have experienced the most horrible things. But what's amazing, sometimes you meet someone who's experienced a horrible thing and they have joy unspeakable despite their circumstances, and other people are super bitter. What's the difference? I mean, I met somebody and they're like, they were born with all these things, all these things had gone on, horrible things, and they're like, look, I have two choices. I can either mail in the life that I have or I can live the life that I have. I was like, hmm, preach it, you know? And that's the thing. It's like your response. So the playing field of your life in Christ is your own heart. Does that make sense? And we have to learn how to diagnose where is my heart right now? Here's the thing. For many people who've been in Christ a long time, because they've been in the church a long time, they think that they're the fruitful heart, but they're not. They just think that because it's so much easier to assume. I've been in church for 30 years. So of course my heart's fruitful. No, maybe not. Maybe you're just worldly or shallow, but we have to say, Holy spirit, will you search my heart and let me be real about where I am. And maybe the best way to know where your heart is really is to ask the people who are closest to you. Say, I want you to give me the real deal about who I am and where I'm at and don't get mad at them for the answer. Because we have to make sure God wants our lives to be fruitful. And your life could have been fruitful a while ago, and it's not fruitful now. Maybe you're living off the fruitfulness of another season. But God wants us to be forever fruitful. He wants to be doing a fresh work in all of our lives at all times. And listen, you guys know this. I'm not preaching down on anybody. I get the pleasure of letting this stuff dissect and diagnose my heart every day, and it's not pretty in there. That's why I believe in Jesus. That's so I'm grateful for God's grace. So I'm not preaching down. I'm having to deal with my own life and my own condition of my heart. But that is the narrow gate. Jesus is the narrow gate. He leads us on this difficult way that few find, but it leads to life. So the playing field first is the four conditions of your heart. Now, we have three directions for living. Three directions for living. So we got the four, now I went on the three. Three directions for living. Now, in order to get the three directions for living, Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 to 40. So turn a couple pages to the right in your Bibles, Matthew 22. And you guys know this. You're gonna hear this. You're gonna be like, oh, I know this. They asked Jesus what the greatest commandment was. And what did Jesus answer? Picking up his answer in verse 37 of Matthew 22 It says this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And verse 39, and the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself on these two commandments, hang all the law and the prophets. Now, what are our three directions for living? Upward, inward, and outward. That's right. It was such so important to me because it was so important to Jesus I wrote a book on it. And the reason this is the playing field is when they asked Jesus what the greatest commandment was, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. That's living upward, right? And then loving your neighbor, that's living outward as yourself, which is inward. So what's beautiful here is that each one of us are always living in these three directions, upward, inward, and outward. As I wrote the book Upward, Inward, and Outward, based on the greatest commandment, I really wrote the book for me and for us as a church family. Because literally, the ministry that God has called us to, we're doing it together. And so I started looking at my life, I started looking at the life of Crossroads, and I started thinking about if this is the most important thing that we really need to focus on it, our upward focus is prayer. Right? We're focusing on prayer. Because prayer satisfies our need for connection. God wants all of us To be people of prayer. He wants your life to be a prayer-drenched life. He wants the people of God, as we get together, he wants his house to be called a house of prayer. And so you grow upward in a way by through your prayer life. Now, inward, we're focusing on fasting. So fasting satisfies our personal need for self-control. Right? And you realize that when you lack self-control, your relationship with yourself gets all jacked up. And many of us know what it's like. We've had these addictive behaviors, life habits that lack self-control and it totally jacks up the way you see yourself. And so fasting is a way to nurture a healthy and holy biblical self-love. So we have prayer and fasting, which is upward and inward. And then outward, we're focusing on generosity, which satisfies our inherent need for compassion. Right. The world needs the people of God to be generous with their lives because God is the most generous person who ever lived. You realize that, right? When it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's not like a, God loved the world. So he gave like the leftovers of the leftovers. It's like he loved the world so much he gave his only begotten son. When you look back at that story of Abraham, he'd been waiting for all these years for his son Isaac, and then God said, I want you to sacrifice Isaac. And we all are like, what? Now, ultimately, he didn't want Isaac as a sacrifice. He wanted Abraham to trust him. But it's a picture of a greater sacrifice, of a greater son, by a greater father, for a greater reason. And so when we believe that Jesus was sacrificed on a cross for us, That makes God the most generous person who ever lived. And if God is transforming our lives, my friends, what that means is he's going to make us more generous than we want to be. See, the reason generosity is so important is because you and I live in a scarcity mindset and economy. We live in a world that says there's never enough. There's never enough. But that is a worldview that is driven by the fact that they don't believe in God. See, the reason God says you can give of your first fruits is because God knows he's going to provide. So God's abundance economy in the things of his kingdom run contrary to our scarcity economy on the things of this earth. And that's why generosity is so challenging. I mean, we live in the Northwest. We live in a commitment-phobic society. Let's be honest. We want everyone to sign up for something. Nobody signs up until the last minute why because you want to make sure you don't get pinned down if something better comes along isn't it true i did ministry in new jersey you do a sign-up sheet there, signed up right away they know that because you know what in new jersey if you sign up right away you know you're in and if the thing runs out of spaces you're in here what's amazing is here people they don't sign up and then when they we shut it down because we have too many people then they get mad at us it's our fault I mean, I know the things today, but I should be there. It's like, well, no, we've been telling you about this for two months. But the thing is, is listen, if you walk with Jesus, you will be more generous than you've ever been in your life. And not just with finances, with your time, with your talent, with your ability to care about other people at the expense of yourself. See, generosity at its most basic core involves self-sacrifice, which is not what we do outside of Jesus. But our salvation is rooted in Jesus giving his life for us. And he says, and if I've done this for you, you should go do it for other people. So generosity is important. And then, of course, the second outward discipline that we're focusing on is the idea of groups or community, which satisfies our need for relationships. Every moment of your life, God is inviting you to cultivate living upward, inward, and outward. It's the greatest commandment. And we love in these three directions. We don't just live in three directions. We're called to love, self-sacrificially, upward, inward, and outward. And so we have these three focuses, prayer and fasting, generosity, and groups. Next, we have two realities. There's two realities that we live with here as a church family. And you guys have heard this here a million times. I just wanted to remind everybody. The first reality is that life is what? Messy. And the second reality is Jesus is what? Real. real. That's right. That's two realities that all of us live with every single day. That one, life is messy, and two, Jesus is real. Now, the reason we say this is because there was a lie that floats around the church in general all the time is that if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, everything's gonna be hunky dory peachy keen. You put your faith and trust in Jesus, everything's gonna go perfectly. Right? And guess what happens? And someone puts their faith and trust in Jesus and then everything gets messy and they're like, I thought if I was in Jesus, everything was going to get perfect. I was going to get the car I wanted. I was going to lose 40 pounds on the day I said yes to Jesus. My bank account was going to be full and everyone was going to think I was awesome. And I was going to have a banging YouTube channel with 25,000 million people watching all my videos. Right? And that's the plan. I put my faith in George, Jesus, I love you. And then... The weight doesn't come off and some people don't think you're awesome and your videos are still not being watched by people and you think there's something wrong with Jesus. Listen, the context for your life is that life's gonna be messy. Everything about the Bible after Genesis chapter three is God showing himself to be real in the midst of a messy world. So health problems happen. Financial problems happen happen. Relational problems happen. Your five-year plan doesn't always happen. That's real. But God is not to be divorced from the messes of life. God reigns supreme in the messes of life, bringing beautiful things out of hard things. That's why Jesus said, in this world, you Will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. What he's saying is that you should expect things to get messy here, but it's okay because I am moving in and through the messes of life.
0: Jesus is real. Learning to love God in the way he desires isn't something you can do on your own. As Pastor Daniel shared in today's message, you need to know who God is to truly love him. This can be done in your life through prayer and spending time in the scripture. As you learn to love God more, you'll begin to see yourself as he sees you and be able to love the people around you generously. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have become a regular part of our everyday lives. And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out Pastor Daniel's Facebook page, Twitter feed, and Instagram. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links. Pastor Daniel shares two-minute video messages throughout the week on his Facebook page. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow Pastor Daniel. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus Is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com, click on the Stations option in the main menu, and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Today's message concluded Pastor Daniel's Deeper series. In it, he shared the importance of church community and how you uniquely contribute to your own church. He also gave some advice on financial planning and debt reduction. Jesus' message is getting into the world through the church, and it's touching and changing lives everywhere. As you grow in your relationship with him, you'll become more aware of how real Jesus is. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast on behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team. We invite you to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.